Welcome to another Friday City Business Edition within our business festival. We are talking about personal finance. If you followed the discussion on Fridays, in the first week we spoke to Letitia Ohiniefa, who gave her own views about how to recover from financial challenge. We also spoke to Doris Agriahiati on the same topic. Today my guest is Charles Mensah. I usually call him at the beginning of the year to help us plan our finance. But today I want him to help us think through where Ghana is. So in the past few days we've been talking about Ghana's economy. We've been looking at how in the last quarter in particular of 2022, the currency lost a lot of ground. A lot of people lost money. Then the debt exchange was introduced around November, October. Again, many people lost money. Investment had haircuts. So generally, things are tight in the economy from the third quarter, last quarter of 2022, even into first quarter of 2023. So this morning, we have just three questions. What could we have done different and what can we do to recover our finance? So Charles Mensah is going to be speaking to us. Charles, great to have you. Good morning. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having me this morning. You've been talking personal finance for a long time. You never get tired. <laughs> I know. We need, we, need to, we need to drum it home, repeat it several times, mm. so that it can be passed on to the kids, the next generation, so that at least they will learn something. Mm. Let me alone, there should be financial literacy series in some of the schools and the universities. Because people make a mistake, uh, not because they want to, but because they don't even know. And sometimes it's difficult to come out of those mistakes. That's why I always love to speak to people about financial literacy. One of the challenges I faced in my life is I thought being educated meant new finance. But I realized that it's two different things. You can be highly educated. You can even be a professor and be financially illiterate. Not because you don't understand the equations. But financial literacy is really not the same. Yeah. It seems like people assume that he's getting a salary, he knows how to save. But it will shock you that some people don't know the differences. And a lot of times, they retire and realize that they are broke because they didn't apply financial wisdom. So just talk to me a bit about common sense finance. What we can get into the government issues. Normal education is not the same as financial education, is it? Okay. Financial education, indeed, should be a prerequisite for everyone, even before you get married. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be formally go to school and go and learn. But it's everyday things. There are two key things. In your life, you are either earning or spending. Mm. You are either le- uh, earning or spending. Mm. Now, if you are spending, mm. you are spending out of what? Because sometimes people are, are prefer to spend and they are spending. Now, if you are not spending out of your earnings, that means that you are spending out of borrowing. Now, if you don't do it, if you don't do it right, you end up working in future to service the borrowing. Mm. So you must always understand two things. Whatever I'm doing now, is it going to uh, help me to earn more? Or is it going to help to reduce the costs that I'm incurring? So you must always keep an eye. And I had replaced that. I I think uh, we and I had had an interview on that about green pen and red pen. To the extent that I said that, look, always look at red pen as spending and blue pen as earning. Mm -hmm. When you miss too much of the red pen, it means that you are in crisis. Mm. Now, once you borrow, it means that whatever you earn in future will be used to meet the interest. And if that one is not managed properly, by the time you go on pension, you are servicing debt when you shouldn't be. And that's the key fundamental thing about financial literacy. It's all about the pluses and the minuses. Whatever you are doing every morning, is it going to, are you doing things to earn money? Or are you doing things 
to cut costs or reduce costs, which I will explain later. But the key point is that what are you doing today? What am I? What effort? Whatever effort you are doing today, what will it be? Because what the results you are getting today is because of a decision you took yesterday. So whatever you are doing today should be a decision that will earn you a better income or earn you in such a way that you reduce costs in future. And that's what everybody must always be an eye on it. I'm not going to be ten cards or your asset liabilities. No. What are you earning? You are earning out of what? You could be earning because you are working for somebody. You could be earning because you are working for yourself. You could be earning because you have bought some cars that are doing Uber. You could be earning because you inherited some properties that is giving you rent. So you know where your source of earnings are. When you go to your source of expenditure, what are your one-off expenditure and what are your regular expenditure? So you must keep an eye on the regular expenditure and the one-off. When you have a situation like crisis, then your one-off could be reviewed. If the one-off will improve your earning income, I always keep emphasizing, if your one-off capital expenditure would improve your earning income tomorrow, maybe you can sacrifice but the everyday expenditure is what you must look at and look at it carefully. Wonderful. Let's come to the government because all of this discussion is premised on what has happened in the economy. And I was doing an editorial earlier in the week where we looked at the composite index of economic activity. It was positive until August 2022 when it became negative. Then I looked at the currency, 6 to the dollar, 7 to the dollar, from August, it got to about 8. By November, it was 14. Then we looked at inflation. Again, it skyrocketed around September. So clearly, something happened in that period. Then the debt exchange was announced around October ending, which led to other issues of haircuts. So it was about four or five different things going on at the same time, within a short period of time. And that's, of course, we went to IMF in July the team came in in the November period, and then we have an IMF program. When you look at the debt exchange, the haircuts, and all those things, do you think that the, on hindsight, that whole process could have been managed better? Let's start with the government. Okay. Uh, Bernard, uh, that's a very loaded question, but I'll take my time and explain it. What is debt exchange? Indeed, there was a point in time where government couldn't service the previous debt. Because mm-hmm. when I'm servicing debt, there are two things that come to the The cost of the debt, which is the interest, and the principal repayment. Mm-hmm. Now, where, as a country, servicing our debt, out of what? If you're going to service your debt, it must come out of taxes. Mm-hmm. Or profit from wherever you use the previous debt to do. Mm-hmm. So that this should be your two sources. Mm-hmm. But at the point in time, you notice that we're borrowing to service a due debt. Mm. And anybody who does that consistently and constantly, there will be a time that you cannot service the debt. And indeed, the rating agencies will come in. So, we're borrowing from Bernard to service cities' debt. So, on the books of cities, we're good boys who were meeting the thing. But as soon as Bernard have crisis and Bernard wants his money back, then becomes a problem. If you could borrow again, then you'll be successful. Unfortunately, because we couldn't uh, service it, 
waving suspended from the capital market. So it means that we have to go and borrow from the capital market. Now we've been suspended because the cycle, we borrow today to service yesterday's debt. You borrow tomorrow to service today's debt. That's all the cycle. When the time came for the debt restructuring, because companies do experience that. So if government is experiencing service not debt, both principal and interest, some of the first thing that I would have, with hindsight, maybe we should have looked at debt equity swap. Debt equity swap, not debt to debt. Because it's the debt that is worrying you. So we could have packaged enough of the SOEs. Government has too much locked up in SOEs. From the likes of state insurance company, cocoa board, electricity, Ghana water, Tamoy refinery, you name it. You can have hundreds of SOEs. It is the services that people need, not the ownership. So we could have swapped the debt with equity in those companies. Pack them, package them well, put good management in those companies, and then swap. When you swap the debt with equity, you will not have any interest servicing again. But if you don't do that, no matter what you do, you are going to negotiate that defer the repayment of the debt to maybe next two years. But the debt has not gone away. So let me, you are saying that a lot of these SOEs who were indebted, the government could have converted their liabilities into equity for the creditor. Correct. So that if Tor or Cocoa Board owed a bank, you could tell the bank that, look, we don't have money to pay you yet. But if you get, if the value of the debt is 6% of the company, come in and help to rerun the, the company. Thank you. So by that way, you are bringing technical support. You are also then bringing, and they could say we, we own 6%. We even want to increase our share to 10 that's so in that sense, you are not looking for money to pay money. No. You are converting ownership in a difficult company into possible value. Correct. Now, you, you think that the creditors would have accepted this? They would have because, you see, that would have, because you would have done the numbers. Mm. You would have done the performance because, I mean, there's no way electricity is going to go down because we need electricity. They may have financial crisis now, but there's no way. There's no way Cocoa Board will go down. So you have looked at the numbers and converted because the debt service is a, is a big overhang for on us. Wow. So you do the debt equity swap. That's amazing. They've done it in several countries, but it must be done by professionals, so that you have one or two persons say, "Oh, why are we sell? Why are we sell?" No, it's packaged. You already owe. So if yes. you are converting your debt into equity, that's it. <laughs> it's, it's, you, so you just you, so you just do the swap. It gives you a breather. Because those running the country and those even running companies, half of their time is not spent on strategic things. It's spent on operational things. Because, hey, the debt is due next week. This is due next week. This is due next week. So you're always looking for new money to go and pay the due debt. But when you swap it into equity participation, we would have a breeder. Once you have a breeder, then you can think about those companies. And this is in reference to the component of the government that, that was through SOEs. Correct. But I wanted to go back to the first point you made about the cost of servicing, borrowing to service debt. 
I've spoken to finance people who say, look, there are different types of debt. Mm-hmm. Our debt can be categorized into commercial, euro bond, multilateral, bilateral, which are concessionary as against the commercial and the euro bond. So if I can get a cheaper source of money to pay for a more expensive source of money, <clears throat> or I can get a longer term money to pay for a shorter term debt, it's not necessarily bad. So that's what I need to comment on. Are you saying that when you owe somebody, it's not a good idea to go and borrow money to pay whatever name they call the new borrowing because eventually to catch up with you? Correct. Because I have interviewed people who have said, oh, no, we are getting better terms. The Eurobond, we are getting this. The percentage is better. So even though this, we owe this guy at 11%, this one we are going to get at 5%. So the 5% is better than 11%. You are saying that in the long run, it will come back and hunt you. <laughs> and that's why you must always look at application or the usage of the loan. Mm. What was it that we used the loan for? Mm. Because every loan must be used mm. for something that would end income. Mm. So that when the due date comes, you pay. Mm. If we even use it for schools, the kids would have grown to become powerful, to earn income. They will pay taxes on it. So that your taxes will be good enough to service the debt. Mm-hmm. But we are in a country where even our taxes is not good enough to cover our operational costs, mm. our recurrent expenditure. Now, if your taxes cannot meet the recurrent expenditure, what will be left to service the debt? Nothing. So you end up going to borrow to service the debt. So anytime we are going to borrow, we should look at the application of that. Because sometimes we borrowed quite substantially to buy equipment and things for some of the SOEs. It becomes a national debt, but it's an SOE which is supposed to be generating income. If you don't restructure it properly, that will cover interest in terms of the profit that they are earning, that it can cover interest. Then you have a crisis coming. Today, you have a breeder, but it will definitely come. Even if they give you one-year moratorium, you will pay. Even if it's concessionary, you will pay. If you are using the money to construct roads, I don't know why we should even borrow to construct roads by now. It's been proven that when you do the PPP, banks themselves will finance it and they will bring a company that will do tolls. Which will pay for itself. Which will pay for itself. It will not be part of the national debt balance. It will not. Because here it is that you have a whole company running it. I'll give a typical example. 2010 when South Africa was doing the World Cup in terms of building the various stadiums. What did they do? They involve the banks. So now the banks own most of the stadiums. That's why you have FNB Stadium. You Correct. Stadium. So they are bank-owned stadiums. Yes. Ordinary governor would have borrowed. It would have increased the size of it debt. But the stadium is for playing games and beyond that. So you don't even need the ownership of it. Banks know. So the banks now will put people who understand Manage it, it and make sure they get it, their money to pay So they get their money back. So in the same way, we can do it for our major roads. Mm. We can. Banks can have it on their balance sheet as a revenue activity. They can even create subsidiaries to manage, for, to manage it so that it becomes a wholly owned company on its own, which is a subsidiary of the banks. Mm. They can do. 
But these days, we are not we are not really really sitting down to review things tenkali to see what can help us. Increase the taxes, increase taxes, increase tolls, increase this. No, it's not working. Shift the the game a little bit. Mm. Move the road construction, major ones. Government is spending quite a bit on roads, but if you can shift it a bit, trust me, they will do it from day one. Because Bernard, if it's going to take you one hour to go to let's say Cape Coast, mm. and now it's taking you three hours, and they've done roads that they're asking you to pay twenty cities. 15 cities. You will pay. Initially, you complain a bit, but when you look at the time savings that you've done, the three hours, the petrol reduction that you've done, you'll be very comfortable to pay. That's how we should look at it. This is the City Business Edition. It's part of our business festival. This is our third week. And on Fridays, we look at finance. My guest today is helping us think about what we could have done differently to have averted or managed the crisis better. He's spoken about government he's giving some two ideas it's never a good idea to borrow to service debt he also says debt equity swap would have been the best way to go let's come back after this break and talk about what are the financial institutions themselves what role did they play in the crisis and what could they have done different what should they do and what about you doing what should you do welcome back this is the city business edition friday we look at the finance side of things as part of the business festival, my guest is Charles Mensah. Charles Mensah, what are you? Are you a financial analyst? Are you a financial... Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, how do you describe yourself? <laughs> financial analyst is better. Financial analyst, amazing. Working in the industry for over 30 years. Um, we've spoken about government. Let's talk about the financial institutions because a lot of them were caught up. Again, I did an editorial on the banks. Lots of them had their monies impaired in the debt exchange. A lot of financial institutions have struggled. Their, their numbers didn't look good end of 2022 but we can't just blame government it seems to me from where i said that their investment choices so for example buying fixed income government instead of diversifying i'm told that diversification is the best risk management a lot of them didn't do that they were not going to actually do due diligence and lend they were just buying government paper and doing treasury whereas banking is out there to fuel the economy that's how i see it as a non-banking person what can you say about the role financial institutions played in their, whole, their own challenges and what they should be doing differently to avert a further crisis? I think it's, it's high time that they look at their, their composition of their, of their structure. Mm-hmm. Look, if you walk to the bank now, if you look at their balance sheet, which I usually do, mm-hmm. the published ones, what they have there is that they are spending almost 90-something percent mm-hmm. on financial products. Mm-hmm. They are either buying bonds or they are buying cocoa bills tea bills tea bills here and there so they are not really lending now because the government um products or the government um, um things that they are selling they are, the money that they are raising that happens to be the risk free sometimes we call it risk free until now is that if government is buying or is selling the treasury bill at a certain rate of 25% per annum or 28% per annum, and Bernard has a good idea, mm. he cannot be borrowing from the bank at that percentage. They will ask risk into it. So it's a risk-free rate plus the risk premium. And that will give the interest cost. So the more government goes in f- for treasury bills by sell- raising it, the banks were feeling comfortable. 
So in the end, they all push money there, including those in the second tier category, the fund managers. They all push money there. None of them, none of them, I repeat, none of them looked at the industry, the various sectors. So as if it's only financial services sector that's supposed to see the growth. But if we have we had moved into the IT, the agricultural sector, the medical sector, by now we would have had a certain processed food, restaurants, standard restaurants across board. We didn't have project finance people at the banks, the structured finance people. All mm. we had is that raise money shortly, buy treasury bills, cover your operational costs, and there you go. Then they go for deposit mobilization. Then they will encourage us to do. No, they should be going for structure finance. Where the minimum they have in their books is three years, five years, seven years, ten years. If you want to build a hotel in Ghana, no bank can finance it. Because your hotel will take seven years. But your uh, bank will lend you money for two years maximum three years and the cheating problem for your hotel will go to the same thing the same thing happens into the 1d1f all the industries base but the production base are having difficulty servicing the debt because nobody sets up a factory and makes profit three years you won't unless you are just assembly proper factory with workers Converting raw material into semi-finished products or converting semi-finished products into finished goods, selling to get debtors and debtors paying to get cash, it will take you a minimum five years to get it on. And that's where you will see the real deal. Now, who would wait for you for five years before you start? Moratorium is even given for six months. Mm. So the factory is not life. And yet, you're servicing for money to the pay. principal and things. Mm. I think that it's high time the banks themselves employed analysts, agriculturists, project specialists in their unit, create a unit. Else, people will go and borrow abroad, bring it to come and buy the machines to fix it. When they raise the money, they need to convert it to go and pay. Mm. Because abroad, they were even going to get people to lend to them at seven years. Mm-hmm. They know. So it's hard on our banks. And I think that Bank of Ghana also needs to review the prudential requirement mm. to allow this thing to happen. Else, we'll have one year, one year cycle. We need to have banks balance sheet arranged. Loans within two years and loans within five years. And that's where you will tell us that whether the banks are lending for projects or they are lending for short term. Is it not because the the bank's source of funds is usually short term? Some okay, two things. Usually, when I talk to bankers about their interest rate, they tell me that look, we have ex- the money we have is expensive money, so it's not like we get money at zero interest and we come and on lend at thirty percent. So that's the first one. And they also some of the money they get, they say. It's not long-term money. So they don't have the time to do 10, 15-year things. And also because the volatilities in the economy, the, the unpredictability of the rate regime and inflation, they feel it's easier to do the thing one, two years so that the NPLs will be lower. 
Is that not a justifiable defense? No, it is not. Fortunately for us, we have a wholesale bank now, the Development Bank of Ghana. Mm -hmm. They have in every country. Mm -hmm. They then would lend. They can lend to individual companies. Mm -hmm. So they will lend through a bank. Mm -hmm. And it's a learning process now because most of the banks are not used to it. Because the Development Bank of Ghana, DBG, are there for long term. Mm. They're not there for one-year trader to import ties. <laughs> they are there for manufacturing. They are there for processing. They are there for construction. Their minimum lending should be five years going. So if you package a project properly, and properly so, and you bring them on board, they can mm -hmm. lend that. So after all, it will not be in your balance sheet as a bank. Mm -hmm. It will be classified as part of DBG. And these are the things that Bank of Ghana can even come in. Mm. Because if you don't have long-term funding, and we say, I'm getting short-term deposit, and therefore I'm lending short-term, the growth of this economy will go gingerly. We won't have the leapfrog, no matter what you do. We won't have the leapfrog. So we need to have, and some years we've had it, just that something happened. We had Bank for Housing and Construction. Mm -hmm. We have the National Investment Bank. Mm -hmm. We had cooperative bank. This were targeted sector. So NIB was investing in new companies. That's why at the point in time, NIB had shares in Nestle. NIB had shares in EverReady. NIB had shares in uh, Cable Meta. These are huge things. In the same way, bank for housing and construction. The construction boom in, in, of yesteryear, because they had a whole bank doing it. As soon as the rules change, to allow them to buy into treasury bills, cocoa bills, and things like that. Everybody took the easy way around. Because, of course, and the ADB was focused on Greek. I think it's high time that we go into a specialized mm. bank. Mm. We shouldn't be hurry to reward banks for, say, the best deposit mobilization, mobilization, mobilization bank. No. We should rather go for projects projects and projects so you granted a seven year project and the project is coming up where the ticking numbers will be the number of employees you've had the numbers of outcomes mm. the jobs you've created and mm. things like that and that's where we, we need to i've been consulting for quite a few companies outside accra mm -hmm. and when you go there bernard you don't have too many people. And when you look at their source of funding, they are getting it from China, they are getting it from India, they are getting it from Dubai. Because they are doing 10-year loan. Mm -hmm. Our banks cannot do 10-year. So they come to those banks, uh, those customers, then the customers put the money there for them to transfer, for the repayment. They only earn the transfer fees. Mm -hmm. But if they had been part of the structuring, I'm sure that they will be earning money and it's key let's end by talking about the investor or the final customer is there anything they could have done different they should be doing different did they make any mistake in because a lot of them also for example those who have invested in their uh, mutual funds collective investment schemes they, they lost a bit because of the initial haircut where you had the uh, what do you call it they call it mark to market so a lot of times when you go and buy these products your investment is calculated based on the amortization method. Now they use mark to market. So your value comes down. 
indeed they are, there was promise that there will be no haircuts but technically there were haircuts and then the dd also put a lot of the companies in peril so they had to recalculate how much people were due people lost money pensioner bondholders have been complaining that they've not been paid as well should investors also take part of the blame for the challenge or because for them they depended on advice from their fund manager did had in there did so you is there, there's only a limit to which they can blame themselves what are your thoughts i think i think for individuals it, it it's it's your investment appetite i mean whereas people were buying uh, investing mutual funds or buying treasury bills to relax uh, or buying bonds to relax others also were uh, giving buying shares in some companies that they have control over in and around mm-hmm. others too were busy supplying selling cement so not all of us invested others who were doing pottery others were doing piggery so not all of us said oh i'm aging so let me buy treasure bills so i don't get any headache so sometimes your you as an investor you must also take the blame because look at your investment basket we shouldn't put all in treasure bills or bonds Sometimes we must put it in some physical investment. Mm. Mm. Unless you have a structure where the, the mutual fund uh, company that you invested in, they are investing in production base, then you have a protected flow of income. But where they are also playing the uh, financial market, so what's that? You, you, they collect money from you, from a number of us, and then they also go and on lend to government. They are still playing the financial market. It's just a paper movement. But where some of the monies go outside this paper movement and goes to specific companies, and then you see. Another one that I think, I think that people should be encouraged to start playing the Ghana stock market. We should make it a little bit active. We should use uh, regulation to bring all the banks in Ghana on the stock market. We should use regulation to bring all the telcos company renewal of your licenses is tied in. So once we bring them, then we can direct individuals and other funds to buy those things. Once people can raise money to the stock market, they won't go to the bank to borrow. Dividend can be paid and you have a success person. But else, everybody wants the easy way out. I mean, I prefer, I will buy treasure bills. But I don't remember the last time I bought treasure bills, mm-hmm. in the last four years. Mm-hmm. Because I want to, maybe it's my passion, I want to be seen Things that's why I've invested in Pigree and I do Pigree and I'm, I'm supplying. So you are diversifying into so into real things agriculture, yes, real estate, real sector, things like even buying a tag Uber, Uber, Uber. Mm-hmm. Uh, delivery, uh, what you call it, uh, the Okada delivery. The, the I mean, when you apply to uh, Ministry of Communication, they'll give you a license. We've done it, mm-hmm. secure service, mm-hmm. so they'll give you a license. You recruit um, riders, you take them for training, mm. you uniform them. Mm. Now that we have technology in terms of location, you are good to go. So that's another part. Mm. Um, you can also invest in pharmaceutical distribution uh, company. Mm. I mean, the pharmacist is there, but you are funding it in terms of having shares in it. So they are quite a bit. Let's look outside the system and they invest in the real sector. That's where our future lies, mm. not the financial sector. I think that's a good place to end. We'll be talking to Charles Mensah, a financial analyst, looking at the current economic challenges 
what government can and could have done better, what the financial institutions could have done better, and with some practical advice on what you can do as well. Don't forget, this is part of the City Business Festival brought to you by CTFM and CTTV in partnership with APSA Bank, sponsored by MTN Momo, MTN Business, ZPay, and Gersal. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.